Hey guys, welcome back to the Spates Waterlad podcast. I am stoked to have Spates on board supporting Waterlad for season four. And the reason I'm so stoked is because I do believe it is the best beer on the market. And the only real decision for me when I do go have a beer is do I go for the Spates Gold Medal, the great tasting OG Lager, or the crisp and refreshing Summit Ultra with 75% less carbs. Always a very tough decision, but the beauty of it is there is no wrong decision to be made. So cheers to our mates at Spates for bringing you this episode. Good on you, mate. Oh, what a lad. Well, today I'm lucky enough to be joined by one of my favourite people to talk to on the planet. He's incredibly intelligent. He knows everything about rugby, business and life in general. And he's even released a children's book, which is arguably the greatest book ever written. And today he's coming on to talk about life after rugby or life post-professional sport, which I know so many of you guys will find very beneficial. I know you already know who it is. It is the great lad, Tim the Legend Bateman. Welcome, mate. Oh, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that intro. I've heard so many of your intros, I'm like, what's he going to say? Mate, one of the worst, I reckon, that one. <laughs> Outstanding, mate. Um, but great to have you on, mate. Um, first time I've had a, one of the sponsors' product during the podcast, um, Spates Summit Ultra. Couldn't choose a better person to share one with, to be fair. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's bloody good to be here, have a beer with you. Yeah, and this sort of came from, I guess, a couple of weeks ago when we were both talking about life post-sport and I guess some of the challenges that are involved with it and... Um, some of the stuff you were talking about and ended up coming up with six, I guess, challenges you thought um, were the key to overcoming and um, something that I thought, shit, this is, there's some good stuff in here. It'd be cool to be able to share this with um, the people who are in that position or coming into that position for um, that time, I guess. Yeah, mate. It's, um, well, I mean, we hear about it a lot eh, as, mm. as players. It's like, you know, prepare for life after rugby and... Um, so people have, you know, you hear about it all the time, the challenges that people go through when they when they transition out of the game. But I'd never really thought about, you know, what they actually look like in, yeah. in detail. You know, what are the different areas that you have to sort of prepare for or be careful of? Um, yeah, and so it was actually cool talking to you about too. Obviously, we sort of both finished around the same sort of time mm-hmm. and we're both sort of, you know, a year to two into in retirement now. And, um, and I reckon it does take about that time too. It's sort of that... I reckon a year, year and a half after finishing is when it actually feels like you have finished. Mm. You know, like that first six months you're still watching the game and think, oh, I could still be out there. Yeah. <laughs> when really well, you you're... retired maybe five years earlier, but you just <laughs> kept going back to Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, no, so I mean, for me, there was like what it sort of boiled down to was like, the, I reckon there's six things. I reckon yeah. there's like six like fundamental things that are challenges that will come up for every single player. Mm. Um, and the reason that challenges is because like rugby provides all of those for you without mm. you even realising it. Mm. So in, in a nutshell, really, the six things are like your, phys- your physical self. So obviously you train, you know, yeah. you're looking after yourself physically. There's your mental health. It's a really, it's, it's a huge amount of support around your mental health. The third one is your is your social well being effectively. Yeah, I guess the ability to you know, with your mates every day and all that sort of stuff. Um, the fourth one is around finances. You know, like it's, you looked after financially really well as a player, and um, and you know that that whole piece is taken care of. Um, the fifth one is around um, its structure. Mm. You know, it's like if you sign a three year contract, you pretty much know where you're going to be, what you're going to be eating. You know what you're going to be training yeah. like, and in three years' time, it just provides like a real amount of certainty. Yeah. And then the last one is this: is like that sort of um, 
like uh, it's like passion or purpose piece, mm. and we can get into each of them. But I think um, for me, the other six things that rugby, as just being a rugby player, provides you, and it's not these things aren't all unique to rugby, mm. but they're all things I think you have to think about when you're transitioning out. Like how are you going to look after yourself physically? Mm. What are you doing socially? What are you doing mentally? You know, what what is this thing that you, that you need to, to satisfy in that passion or purpose piece? Because yeah, each of those things when they're not there. That, that's when I think challenges really come up. How did you come up with the six sort of pillars or challenges? Like, what were you doing to come up with that sort of list? Um, I, I think, I mean, I think well, one thing I've always been quite, um, my brain's probably racing a million miles an hour, and, and I, I think um, I think introspective is probably something I've always been. And mm. so it was, it was really just reflecting a lot on, like, my own challenges when I'm finishing. So, like... You know, the, the the immediate one for me was physically. Mm. You know, it was mm. it was like shivers. I actually have to do something to look after myself yeah. physically. It's not on my schedule. It's not on my schedule. You know, and there's you know the, the rest of the life takes over, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm starting to blow out here. And I yeah. can see myself going down a, <laughs> a track where all of a sudden you know, and, and you see that with a lot of guys. You know, um, it's like having a, like building a physical routine post rugby. I think is so important. Mm. What are you doing to look after yourself physically? Because that just flows into everything else. Mm. Like in rugby, <clears throat> your training is is you, you look. It's just looked after. You turn up and you have to do what the what the trainers and the coaches are saying, and, and that just takes care of all your physical health. Mm. Um, when you're in the real world and you're working and you've got family commitments and all these things going on, it's like far out. Where do I build this in? Yeah. Um, so like for me, like. It's not just the way it look. You look physically either. It's all the hormones and stuff that looking after yourself physically does for you. You know, like you know, you've got you know, all these positive like the dopamine, you know, and the endorphins, you know, the oxytocin of being around guys, all the you know, training and in that environment where you you feel you're looking good, you're feeling good, you're yeah. away. You know, yeah. as soon as you leave that, you know, and you're not looking after yourself physically, you start feeling really crap. Mm. You know. And so, I, I don't know, that was a challenge that I noticed straight off the bat. I mean, I don't know what you did, mate. You're still looking shredded. So what did you, how did you, what did you do physically coming out of the game? Mate, I, I, was, I, did, I did nothing, and that's sort of something I look back on. Obviously, my hip, I did retire because of my hip, so I couldn't run for pretty much two years, just starting to get back into it now, post-footy, which I did miss. I miss being able to run around with the kids in the backyard and that sort of stuff. Um, instantly, you know, everyone tells you man you're looking skinny like post footy yeah. hey, I feel like players either go one yeah. one way or the other they either blow out or they get skinny obviously you're not going to be training at that same intensity that you did um, throughout your career unless you're right into the gym which mm. I never really was I know you are you the size of your arms <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah I, I guess that was probably one of the biggest things I struggled with where do I fit that um, exercise in and how does it look in my daily routine or weekly routine? And like, and you see some guys that do it really well, you know, and they've like these guys I know that it's like all right, a year after I finish playing, I have to run a marathon, mm. you know, and then all of a sudden they've got something to look forward to that they're working towards that they build their routine around. Or some guys get into biking, or some guys get into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I reckon Brazilian jiu-jitsu is a really good one to, for guys to think about because. Mm. The other thing you miss physically is that sort of confrontational, um, combative contact, yeah, that element. Yeah. You know, like I started... You, start you bring it out on the feet. touch field. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm leaving touch field. What are you doing to me, mate? Who cares? Um, but, um, but, yeah, so I reckon, yeah, it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, like some guys, they get into CrossFit, they get into, you know, um, you know rip, like 
bodybuilding. Yeah. But I think whatever it is, like making it a routine mm. and having some goals around it, like that is what we're used to. You know, mm. we're used to that. So I just think it's um, if I was a guy coming to the end of my career, um, I'd be thinking, all right, I'd be trying to make some plans, anticipating that it's going to be hard. Mm. And I know that I'm going to have to get some structure around how I'm going to look after myself physically because. I swear, if you don't get that piece right, everything's harder. Mm. I mean, it's not as if the, the world ends. Yeah. But I just think if you're going to make a transition smooth, like nailing that physical piece, I think is is one of the key ones. I mean, you look at someone like Richie, you know, mm. like he's out there running um, bloody endurance races. Yeah, it's or next what. level, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's like it's that I think that ticks a few boxes. Yeah. You know? I yeah. guess that we'll touch on later on the sort of passion purpose piece, but um. Yeah, I mean, like the, the, we all know guys that have done like really done well physically after the game, and I think um, it's definitely something that everyone can learn. So, what about the guys who do have a career-ending injury, and that physical aspect comes really hard? Um, a lot of guys finish with knees, mm. things like that. What what's the what would you do there? Well, that's why I reckon. Once again, it's like got to be planned out. Yeah, you know, it's got to be. You got to think about it in that in that final fin- uh, stages of your career. Mm. Like biking, for example, was a lot of a lot of guys go to with hips and knees yeah. and, and stuff, um, because it's obviously low impact mm. and um, you can do it for longer periods of time without damaging the body. Like running's brutal, away. Eh? Like yeah. I even for me running six, seven, eight k, my body's just screaming at me, my joints. It's like, yeah. Oh no. This is, <laughs> um, but also, you know, like my training at the moment, I'm not going to get any fitter, any faster, any stronger. Um, but I actually try and do all the different elements that rugby did. So, you know, on a Monday I do like a, I actually do speed and repeated speed. Oh yeah, yeah. True. And it's and it sounds a bit silly, but for me it's like if I want to go play a game of touch or a game of basketball, I want to be able to run fast without pulling a hamstring or yeah. doing a calf. Yeah. And it's like you know I'm used to training like this. So yeah. I like that sort of training. So you know, to have a few broken Broncos and yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's one Monday. It's 45 minutes. That's all it takes. Yeah. Um, Tuesday I do a full body strength session. And that's um, once again not putting not there's certainly no records being broken anywhere mm. near what I'm doing. I'm thinking this is training for the 50 years. That's yeah. why I'm approaching this. It's like I need to be able to train three, four times a week mm. for the rest of my life. That's the way. It's like if I make it too hard, you know, then I'm like oh, I could miss this one. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest uh, mistakes a lot of people make. Hey, they go too hard yeah. too early. They set their goals too hard. Every day I want to do a yeah. Our gym session, there's just no way you can finish that. It's not sustainable. Eh? Yep. So, like, make it real easy. So, yeah, so that's full body weights. Wednesday day off, I usually float or sauna, ice bath, mm. just a bit of recovery in that day. Um, Thursday, I do like a hit session. Yeah. Um, so, 45, once again, 45 minutes. And then Friday, I do a long run and an upper body weight session. So, right. once that probably takes an hour. Yeah. But it's only four hours training total a week. It's at a time. As I mentioned, I'm not breaking any records, but I think I can maintain this for the mm. rest of my life. And, you know, because the, the reality is, like, people who are physically healthy when they're older, mm. the other people that have trained three days a week forever, rather mm. than they've smashed themselves for tw- 12 weeks yeah. and, um, you know, become shredded, that's, that, that's not sustainable. So yeah. finding something sustainable, I think, is cr- crucial too. Right, four hours, like, it, it still sounds like a pretty significant commitment, especially for someone. With a schedule you have, obviously, um, two kids, um, business owner, author now, um, <laughs> into rugby coaching again with um, Crusaders Development. So you got a 
bloody busy schedule to prioritise four hours for exercise is still, you know, a decent commitment. It is. It is, and I mean, for me as well, like it's a, it is a pro, it is like top of my list though. Mm-hmm. I'm looking after myself has to be top of my list. Yeah. And, and that's you know this is a learning for you know for things that I've already heard previously where um, you know where business will come first or rugby will come first or fa- even family mm. like I have to put myself first because if I'm looking after it's the whole aeroplane analogy you know put your own mask on first before you start helping anyone else because yeah. ultimately our kids and our wives and stuff are always going to be the most important things to us mm. but if we're not looking after ourselves first then how do we expect to be able to look after anyone else? Mm-hmm. Like you have to be healthy physically, mentally, emotionally yourself um, or in your best state to be able to, to give the best to the people around you. So mm. it is hard trying to find four hours a week, mm. but it's like there is non-negotiable. It's locked into my calendar. If there's things that come up, it's like, I'm sorry, I can't I can't do that. Mm. I'm training at this. I don't say I'm training. <laughs> I've got speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to do more speed session. But, um, but uh, it's like locked in. So yeah. my, my physical... And sort of the recovery, sort of mental side of it. That's that's like locked in my calendar. Yeah, um, like nice notifications girl. that come to me to go and do it. Mm. And um, yeah, I think that's the that's crucial to get right. Hey, that's a good learning for me because it's definitely not something that I've ever prioritised, and that's why I've, I have struggled with that physical side. I'd always put work first. I'll put family first. I'll put all my other commitments first. Exercise is sort of the last thing I'll do at the end of the night if I've got time and um, yeah. and it does fall into the back burner more often than not well it's another good point like it's finding out when you train good because mm. I for, for, oh, would have been three or four months I was trying to train like six in the morning mm. and that's not even that early for some people yeah but I'm just an absolute <laughs> nightmare at six in the morning you know like I just uh, the quality of my training and the just getting myself out to train was just so hard and I was like once again if I want to have a 50 year approach to this yeah why am I doing this? Yeah. So I get up and I work then. So I start working really early. Yeah. And then at around about sort of eight or nine, um, that's when I I like I'm I'm 45 minutes. I'm gone. I'm doing some training now. Oh, okay. And it's um because it's when we're used to training too for in rugby. Obviously, that's when we'd always do it. So much mm. like my body's used to it. Mm. Um, yeah. And then just figuring out the eating piece too. You know, yeah. how does that work? You know, because you're used to having these massive portion sizes yeah. and. You know, having to eat all the time to yep. bulk. I mean, we're probably both always on that bulk diet. Oh, so yeah. trying to, you can't go too long without eating and all these things. Now I feel like I don't need to eat that much. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And once again, everyone's different. Like everyone has, you know, everyone's body's different. But for me, I've like I feel like I've sort of figured out what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Like I don't eat now until midday. True. Um, Fasting. Yeah, and that's so I eat sort of between twelve and eight. Oh yeah. Um, and that's it's an eight hour window. It's not too bad at all. I don't even get hungry in the mornings, mm. but um, that there helps as well. Yeah. Um, I still there's still a good chance I'm going to blow out, <laughs> and this is all going to fall to pieces. When this podcast comes out, I'm probably going to be in it, just an absolute slob. But once again, doesn't mean no, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any stretch. Yeah. But this is something that everyone has to think about. I reckon when yeah. you're transitioning. Yeah. Mate, and we're only on physical. Jeez, bring on the next five. What a start. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, so the next one is that it's the mental side of it, I guess. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you think about being in a rugby environment, you've got a lot of positive people around you. And everyone's like wanting to be high performing. Like, you can't underestimate what that does. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, that's not common in every facet of work, mm-hmm. everywhere you go. And so, you know, you've got everyone that's wanting to be there, wanting to contribute. You've got, you know, as I say, a lot of positivity, a lot of mentors, mental skills coaches, and, you know, like mindset videos on getting yourself up yeah, and, and like yeah. 
once again, it all just feels normal in, in a rugby environment. When you get out and you're like, you know, you're digging footings or you're out at 7.30 in the morning off to, off to work, it's like, whew, mm. you know, like, you know, like, what are you doing to make sure you're looking after that part? Because obviously that part, I mean, I reckon physical and mental, they sort of they blend together. Yeah. But, um, that mental piece, I think mean, a lot of guys do stroke, struggle post footy, mm-hmm. you know, like mentally. Um, and so once again, there's not one size fits all, but thinking about like how you're looking after yourself mentally, who are you hanging out with, you know, that's actually lifting you up or, mm-hmm. you know, pulling you back down. What are you reading? What are you listening to? If you're listening to this podcast, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're probably in a good space. You're in a great space. <laughs> but, but it, you know, like I just reckon being, being a little bit proactive around it, you know, mm-hmm. and like, thinking about you know someone said to me once um you know you're the sum of the five people you spend most of your time with mm. you know and that was like a bit of oh shit that's uh you know, and who you spend your most of your time with it might not be physically mm. it might be who you're watching on instagram or who yeah. you're listening to on podcasts they are effectively the people if you wanted to see what you're like from someone else's eyes mm. it's actually if you sum if you smash those five people that you spend most of your time with together that's probably who you are. All right. You know, like, and so I reckon that's, that's you know, sort of being careful with that. Yeah. You know? Who are um, yours? Well, definitely my wife and daughters. Yeah. And that sort of, I suppose, blends into one. Mm. Um, I've got a couple of, like, really good mates mm. from school, sort of five, five of us that have kept really close um, from right back then. Um, so we've got, like, a really good crew. We do a trip, trip away together every year and stuff. It's pretty awesome. But I think, once again, the, the, the listening and, and reading – I I do listen to uh, a lot of stuff, and you know, there's a few sort of quite influential podcasts and stuff. I mean, this is one of them. <laughs> you know, the, the wisdom of this podcast is incredible. But um, <clears throat> it's yeah, it's I just think that's something to be conscious of. Yeah. Um, when you when you finish up. True. So the keys to the mental side coming to the end of your career, what what would you say the keys would be to nail? Um. Knowing what makes you tick effectively, what what gets you up, and that's different for everyone. So one one of them for me is I've always been interested in certain things like the book writing or or um, things like meditation and flotation and well being, like learning about this stuff. It sort of engaged me mm. quite a lot, and so um, yeah, finding what you're passionate about um, or what you enjoy doing, and then actually just putting like making sure you're carving out time to do that stuff. Mm. You know, if you know that it's important that you um, you're learning, then make time to learn. You know, if you yeah. know that it's an important part of your um, your life mentally is is being able to sort of manage anger or um, you know like deal with frustration or you know you're, you're nervous, you need to start pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Like understanding what those limitations are and actually just trying to find ways to develop that, I think is um, yeah, I think that's that's the, that's a that's a tough one. And as I do think they blend in with physical. Yeah, nice. Okay, that's two down. <laughs> Four to go. Four to go. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next one? Well, you know, we we talked about this too, <clears throat> um, but um, you know, it's the it's the social piece yeah. of rugby. You know, like you turn up to a, a, a rugby environment and like you've got guys like you know guys like Richie Monga who's just taking the piss constantly. Yeah, it's fun. You know, you're like there's a lot of banter, a lot of um, you know, you, you're pretty much you know even if you moved overseas, say. Say you go to France or you go to England or you go to Japan, you're walking into 50 mates. Yeah. It's really what you're doing. You know, like 
you've got 50 mates that you're going to be your social stuff just taking care of, yeah, of yeah. for you, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Like I'm sure you you found that too. I think it is, I look back on my career and there's definitely the my favourite part of the game is all those memories you have after games, you know, travelling, um, like you say, the, those moments in the sheds or the banter at training, um, the people that you meet, especially when you're like you, travel around the world to play, you meet so many cool people that you keep in touch with and you just have that connection with. Um, definitely one of my favourite parts of the game. And um, when when it's gone, I was fortunate enough to sort of stand there with the coaching, so I still felt like I had that part of it, or at least um, a little bit of it in the in the management circles rather than the players. But um, talking to different people and on the podcast as well, it's definitely the one thing people miss the most is going from having that group of friendship to then, shit, now who are my friends? Who do I hang out with? It's awkward to message the the players now because they're all doing their own things. Yep. So um, those play, those friends are almost sort of gone unless um, you're really tight with them. But yep. a lot of them will just stay in their rugby circles. So really important to have those friends outside of the game. That's so true. You're right as well. That that, that awkward feeling yeah. of when you finish playing, you're like, oh man, I don't know if I'm you know because even though you're mates, yeah, you sort of all of a sudden when you're out, you're like, oh. Am I going to be that annoying guy now? Like, yeah. Hey, bro, do you want to catch up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but you, you're so – I mean, that's me too. Like, the best times through my whole career, they're all just funny mm. moments in rugby. They're all the moments that I remember from the game. Yeah. You know, like um, – and, and there's not many jobs that you have such like-minded people mm. in, in a group. You know, like, obviously, you've all got some, like a one big thing in common, which is sport, but yeah. – there's a lot of other things. You're all really driven. You're all like pretty lighthearted and, and wanting to you know have fun and mm. you know wanting to work hard together. You're all quite similar in mm. a lot of ways. Mm. Obviously, there's, there's big differences in people in rugby. It's not everyone's the same, but um, you have have a lot of common ground. So it's quite easy to have like quite deep connections with people and yeah. good fun with people. Yeah. Um, so when that yeah all of a sudden you're out the other side. Unless you've got something, once again, unless you've thought about this stuff, you know, like it's, it's a challenging one. Yeah. I mean, for me, once again, like um, I had a couple of really good mates from school mm. that I was, you know, still in contact with a lot and we'd hang out and stuff together and that that's important, you know, so we'll have touch games or we'll be, you know, as I mentioned earlier, go on trips together every year and stuff and mm. sort of feel like that I'm, I'm in a reasonable spot there with socially. Yeah. Um, but once, I, I know a lot of guys that, they go out of the game like shit. Like, you know, I'm in this work environment. I don't really like anyone in here. Yeah. And you know, what am I doing? You yeah. Know? So well, you're, you're, you're literally spending like 10, 12 years with this group of guys who you become really tight with, and then instantly, they're not all gone, but it just it just does feel awkward. Like even for me, like going into the coaching role, I'm still part of the team environment, but then it also becomes a little bit awkward to message one of the players like. Do you want to catch up as as a coach player? I don't know if people felt, found that weird or I was overthinking it, but um, it's definitely something that you're conscious of. You're like, shit, is this is this a bit weird to go to lunch with a player? Or yeah, it's funny, eh? It is funny, like yeah, that that social piece. And what, like, it doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be anything special, but I think just starting it off somewhere. Mm. And that's why that's why I said earlier on with like rugby isn't unique in that. That these things are only in rugby. Yeah, like there's a lot of lot of careers and a lot of jobs where the, a lot of these things are looked after. For me, this is just that 
you know, it was a way to, to mm. like frame up my sort of experiences in it. But like if you if you if it's a challenge in social connections, like just having a job, like that that satisfies a lot. Mm. You know, that that gives you a bit of structure, which we'll touch on soon. You know, there will be people in there that you will enjoy spending time with. You know, like if you're doing some social sport, you know, and you're alongside a few other people that you're sort of bantering with and, and through the week and, um, you know, some chat groups that you're sort of, you know, interacting with. So there's, yeah. um, it's just, I think, it's just being conscious of it. It's being conscious that there will be probably a, a change socially when I finish playing mm-hmm. and what am I doing to make sure that I'm I'm not going to let it become something significant, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like the physical, mental, and um, social um, that we, you know, that we're touching on. Like, I just think guys should think about this stuff a little bit. Mm. Doesn't have to be some massive, big, rigid plan. I, I mean, I'd love that um, you know that the NZRPA sort of thing that would put some time into this stuff and like like help guys with that transition and think yeah. about a framework around that and yeah. how that could look. Because I think it could be quite. Um, I just think it's important. Yeah. So the key there would probably be, I remember hearing this when I was playing, like making friends outside of the game, things like that. I never really took much notice of that. Um, but I guess that's a big one for when you're coming to that end day, having these interests outside of rugby, making friendships outside of the game as well. Yeah, I, I reckon that's the two ways to, to, like think, to think about with this is have friends outside the game. So, like, don't have all your eggs in one basket. You know, like, keep in touch with your uni mates, with your schoolmates, with your family, like, so that all not, all not all your eggs are in rugby. Mm. And then the other one is, like, start doing something socially when you finish. Play some social sport. You know, make connections with work colleagues, with other with other people. Try and spread your, you know, put yourself outside your comfort zone a little yeah. bit and spread your sort of risk a little bit. Because, mm. mm. um, you know, like, humans, that's what we are. We're social. We're social creatures. You know, it's funny, like, um, you know, the, the, the most punishment that you can give someone in, in jail is solitary confinement. It's to put them by themselves. Mm. If you think about that, that is the most, that is the biggest punishment that we, other than bloody some places around the world that do, you know, bloody bit of put people to death. <laughs> but effectively, it's like that if you want to really punish someone, you make them lonely. You yeah. put them by themselves and then they're in, in their own head. We need to have connections. We have to have social connections. So, mm. um yeah, have have mates and do things outside of the game when you finish. Um, I think it t- ticks that box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how good says <laughs> <laughs> three down is it? Oh yeah, sure. What is. are we down to? Number four. What's this fin- one? Financially, finance or oh, you know, my like, favorite. Well, there's there's um, you know, it's an obvious one. You know, like as rugby players, you know, you're, you're paid to do something that you just love doing, and it's a finite career. It's going to finish. Mm. You know, I don't know what the average lifespan of a rugby player in New Zealand is now, but I'm pretty sure it used to be about three years. Yeah. Um, so if if it's there's some guys that have one year, two years, three years. There's some guys are lucky enough to play longer, but everyone's going to finish, and so you're going to have to change career, obviously. Mm. <laughs> and that's that that is tough, man. You, you in your mid thirties and you go out and you're starting at square one in a new career. Mm. You know, like you're back to being. Um, you know, you're the you're the boy on the on the yard, or you're the um, you know that you're the junior and whatever thing you're doing. Yeah. Like you've gone from you're really starting back out where most people in their mid thirties, yeah, they're like they're almost seniors yeah. in, their, in their career. And so, um, 
yeah, that that obviously takes a hit to the manner a yeah, little bit too. Yeah. But also in the pocket, you, know, you feel that, that you're going to start again somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you did financially through your through your career to, to help set yourself up for post rugby. Well, mate, for me that was like I know a lot of guys sort of spend their money. They spend their paycheck weekly or monthly, whatever it is, and they get to the end and think, shit, man, I'm. I, what do I do now? I've run out of money. The stress piles on. I was the opposite. I was really conscious, almost too conscious the other way that I felt like the only money I was going to make in my career was through rugby. So I was, you know, I was trying to save or invest every sort of penny that I made. And um, I always wanted to have the a two-year buffer financially so that there was no pressure on me to jump straight into the next one because I didn't know what I was going to do, mm. things like that. And I was... I was so stressed about it that when I got there and I did find a job, the relief I had, like that I was, I had an income post footy was, was more than anything that I had in my career. So I was like, I'm at the point now where I more comfortable to spend money than I ever was playing, even though I was making way more when I was playing than I am now, just because I feel like, like you said before about the end of your career, it's always going to come to an end. I feel like I'm, in the position now that I can make money for, you know, the rest of my working life. Yeah. So um, the stress of having that ending date and not knowing when that was was mm. always something that hung over me, so I wanted to make sure I was financially prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an awesome way to, to be, obviously, you know, like really aware that it's finishing, and so you're pre- preparing yourself for that. Um, I was similar. I was probably less wise, penny-wise, you mm. know, if that makes sense. So I was... Like I always spend a lot of time on investing, and in, you know, like what am I doing with the big stuff, the mm. big, the, in the big rocks? Mm. But I wasn't very good with like just the little, like the dinners or the beers or the you know just the little things that that money can just disappear quite quickly in. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't go and blow you know thousands of dollars on crazy stuff, but at the same time I probably spent you know way too much on eating out and yeah. way too much on a night out, or you know <laughs> like just. All those little things that when you finish, you've actually got to. Oh, actually, man, I need to. Yeah, I can't just be bloody going out all the time. That that money just disappears, <laughs> you know. So, um, I think it's yeah, it's, it's going to be different for everyone. You know, for some people, they're going to have to adjust to way less money, and they and they're, they're used to spending a lot. Mm. Um, for some people, it's like for you, like yourself, it's more like actually I can relax a little bit now because mm. I sort of I've got the rest of my life to think about this stuff mm. financially, but um. Yeah. So for you, was you know how you went to Japan maybe three or four times? Was that a big part of it? Like financially, um, another top up, I guess. Yeah, ma- massive. Like I, I know for me too. Like you know the way that I, the decisions that we made as a family as well made had a big impact on the way the decisions I made around money and rugby. Mm. Um, you know, we had kid. I had on my first year of playing rugby. Um, I was nineteen um, with with the Crusaders. Um, I was still studying full time, yeah. and I had Shyla, our eldest. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I, I always felt like I'm going to be gone here soon. Like they're going to realise that this guy, shit, let's get him <laughs> out of here. So I was always like foot half foot out a little bit. Yeah, you know, just thinking. I was thinking about the next thing. So, um, which definitely I think is not the best way to be. You know, if I if I could go back, if I could talk to my younger self now, I'd be like, mate, just be all in. You've got to be all in. Mm. If you're not all in, you're out. You know. Mm. Um, once again, I'm not disappointed with it, but it was like a bit of fear around my own ability and and having to look after Laura and look after the girls and stuff. Like that. I, I was like, actually, I need to 
get this right. So definitely that impacted my decision making around going to Japan. Japan obviously we got paid a lot better than we were paid in New Zealand. Um, but also the other side is that you were f- to do a lot less effectively. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot more time with the family. We were, back then it was 14 games a year, I think, that we yeah, were playing up yeah. here in five months off. You know, that's um, when you're looking at that compared to 11 months and yeah, and yeah. Intensity, yeah. and, so and the like. salary you were on was <laughs> oh, <laughs> world record. Coca-Cola <laughs> Red Sparks have never quite recovered from it. <laughs> it made a serious dent in Coca-Cola's profit. So, uh, no, no, it was. It was. I mean, I, I joke, it was, but it was good money for, for someone at my yeah. at my level. You know what I mean? It, and um, and definitely eternally grateful for that. You know, and but I mean, regardless of what level. Are you playing? If you're playing professionally in rugby, you're getting paid well, you know, mm. um, to do what we love doing. And so, um, even if you're not investing really well, I think learning about money is something you can do. Mm. You know, learning about that you want ultimately you want money working for you. You know, that's the way I've always approached it. It's mm. I want to have for me. It's I want to have freedom of time, freedom of location, and freedom of of finance, finances. Mm. So I want to make sure that. Whatever I'm doing, I, I can be where I want to be, um, doing what I want to do, um, and not having to worry too much about money. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's genuinely what I'm doing now. I can I can I know. I, I mean, I'm working probably 80 hours a week at the moment, so it's not Jeez. as if I'm, I'm like avoiding work. Is that including your four hours training? <laughs> including, yeah, this work, man. No, it's not. But um, but um, so it's not as if I'm trying to yeah. avoid everything because I don't like working. Yeah, it's more that I want to work on the things I want to work on. And, and the things that are enjoyable. So um, you can only do that if you've got yourself in that position financially. And I'm, I'm not in that position yet, but, you know, we're working towards that. Mm. And um, I can honestly say that I'm able to work on something that I actually love working on, which mm. is, which is um, yeah, we're very lucky. Mm. And uh, that's obviously O-Studio and... Anyone out there listening could be in the same position, really, couldn't they? <laughs> Good an ad to read there. Or? <laughs> G'day, guys. Tim Bateman here from O Studio. If you're trying to get some more control over your own time and money and therefore looking to open your own business, O Studio might just be the option for you. Look, wellbeing is a $4.1 trillion industry worldwide, and we've found a model that works. So the key for us now is finding the right people to join the journey. If you're interested, fill in your details at ostudio.co.nz forward slash lad and i'll get in touch back to the show but it is like like you say it's a it's a genuine thing for guys to think about when they get to the end what what am i going to do what do i want to start a business do i want to just work nine to five what 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 is life going to be like for me post footy and if you are under that financial pressure and you've got a family you need to find a job almost straight away you're just going to be falling into something you're not passionate about and you'll fall into that trap and then the cycle starts, I guess, of all those things you're speaking about. Yeah, I agree. Like if, if you can do something like what you've done where you've bought yourself time to find out what you want to do, so you've bought yourself, you're effectively investing in yourself to give yourself enough of a buffer of time and headspace to be able to decide, actually, conscious decision, I'm going to go and coach. I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm podcasting, I'm doing this, mm. I'm investing. Um, I think that's that's the ideal scenario, you know. Um, the reality is, I think for most people, is that it's um, that you're going to have to make a decision reasonably quickly. Mm. And I actually, my thoughts on that as well. I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually don't. I sort of see this a little bit like when you finish high school and you take a gap year, mm. 
before you start studying, those guys, they genuinely make a better decision with their study than people that come straight from school into study. The amount of people I know that have gone straight from school into a, into a study or a trade or something because it's, it's like I have to make a call, um, they end up changing their mind and they've got big student loans and mm-hmm. stuff and, and they've and if they'd had been able to buy themselves time to do it, they'd be better off. So I reckon like um I reckon treating your first year out of rugby like a gap year mm-hmm. where you're just taking something. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Go work on a work on a bloody digging footings. Yeah. It doesn't really and matter. And multiple things if possible. I yeah. that yeah. would be yeah. one thing I'd add is the more things you can try, yeah. see what you like, see what you don't like and then sort of funnel it towards the ultimate thing that you do want to do. Yeah. I agree. It just it gives you it gives you it gives you the structure that we'll talk about soon. Mm. It gives you a little bit of financial support, so it buys yourself a little bit of time. It gives you some social stuff. Just doing something, a job, to, but having in the back of your mind that you're still open to what when you're figuring out what you really want to do. Mm. But ideally, within the first sort of two or three years, I reckon, out of the game, um, I reckon you want to have made a decision of. You know, okay, I know I love doing this type of work mm-hmm. and I want to work with these type of people um, and this is how I can go about doing it. You maybe have to start at the bottom again mm. at two or three years out of the game, but ultimately you know, that whole long-term approach to things, you're going to get way more fulfilment if you're working on something that you actually enjoy doing, mm-hmm. um, You know, which is what we're lucky enough to do in rugby all the time. So I think trying to find ways to replicate that in whatever it is is so important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh, we're getting better and better. It's the beer, mate. It's these bloody summer ultras, I tell you. I'll get you. Oh, yeah, good. Um, number five we're up to, are we? Yes. Um, so that's structure. Yeah. Um, I know this sounds like a bit of a, okay, yeah, structure, what's that? Mm. But I think um, when you have no structure in your life, I just reckon, and there's, there's different degrees of structure that everyone needs, you know, like for me, I actually need a lot of structure. So talk about the training, mm. like that has to be like locked in, and if it's not locked in, it will disappear. Yeah, like my family stuff, I have to like lock it in. So I literally in my you know I said before in my calendar, mm. I'll be like my train times, my family time is locked in there as well. Oh, yeah, and so it's like this is what I'm going to be doing, and no one can move this. Yeah, I remember that from the previous podcast we did when you were in COVID and you were in isolation and you had your whole days fully planned, like your seven-day COVID isolation all planned out, like everything to a T. So you do love structure. Yeah, and I'm, I know I'm OCD. Like mm. I'm definitely OCD with this <laughs> stuff. But also like I, I have to structure in like non-structured time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I know this. So like if I had, if I, if I like my whole weekend, I've got nothing. Yeah. As long as I know I've got nothing, yeah. and I know that I've like I'm a, I can actually relax, and I don't have to have know exactly what my weekend's going to look like at yeah. all. It's more just I know that I'm allowed to not do anything yeah. because you know it's been it's I don't know it's, uh, that's over the top, <laughs> but it's honestly the way I am. Yeah. Um. So, but I just think understanding what, like how everything fits together, mm. and when you're training, when you're looking after your family, when you're catching up with your mates, like wh- what time have you got for work. When you're switching off, like that for me was a real big one. Mm. Like actually having to put a pin on, like this is when I'm stopping working. And then I, I felt better about it, stopping working mm. because it's like it's in there. And I that's such a hard one too because eh? work's endless and I can imagine as a business owner and how busy you are, like there's always something to be doing. It's the same in coaching. Like, you can't really watch enough footage because there's always something yep. else to look at. And yep. 
when to put that down and say, okay, I've done enough or I'm not even concentrating anymore because I've been going for too long. But making that time, like you say, to just say, nah, okay, now it's do something for yourself, put yourself first and you'll be better for it. Yeah, and it's, it's – um as soon as, like, if you say for someone, you had some um, presentation that you had to present to the Crusader group, you know, like, and they said, all right, put together a presentation for the Crusaders on, I don't know, on back attack. Mm. You could go out and start chipping away at that, and, you know, it might take you a week to sort of put together. Um, it might take you two weeks to put together, I don't know. But if someone said, you've got to do that, and you got to do it by tomorrow. Mm. So tomorrow at 2 o'clock you're presenting a back attack presentation. Mm. You'd get it done. Yeah. You know, and so you work you work to the times that you, you create for yourself. You work to your own deadline. So it's almost like I think if you box things in, it's like, all right, this is the time I've dedicated to this and I'm going to do it. Mm. You know, it's like it happens. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I think, um, like, once again, that doesn't just have to, like, like, you're right, you could sit and watch footage for hours. Mm. Mm. It's like, all right, I've got, I've got 90 minutes yeah. and I've got, to, I've got to smash this. Yeah. And that's all. The timer starts, bang, yeah. <laughs> and you're on. And it's like, I guarantee you, you'll get it done. Oh, no doubt. And you're less distracted too. Obviously, so easy to be distracted when you're doing things like that, you know, which are important, but, you know, they're just sort of extras and you get a message from someone and you get caught on your phone for another few minutes and just the distractions of life, you're starting to talk to someone and yeah. things like that. If you've, like you say, if you zone right in with the time, you've got to get this done. Yeah. Makes so much more efficient. Yeah, and, and, and once again, everyone's different. Like for me as well, like because I I lean towards working, you know, like it's easy for my family to miss out, mm. or my training and stuff, or my looking after myself to miss out. So, like I know that I have to structure that stuff in. So it's like, all right, I'm switching off this time because me and Miley are going to be going to do this, or Laura mm. and I are going out for lunch on a Friday. Mm. You know, we're going to do a date night on that night, and it's like locked in, nothing can move it. It's happened, and that it may seem it's almost like a little bit cold. You know, it's like you shouldn't have to structure time for your family. Mm. It should just happen naturally. For me, it's like structuring in like the baseline that's required. Like, you, can, you know, I know there'd be guys, and I've been having at this uh, at fault of this myself, where you feel like it's been ages to make, even making time for your wife mm. or mm. time for your relationship. Yeah, like we'd all love to say, oh, it just all comes naturally and it's just easy. We we make this stuff. We're just off the cuff and it just works <laughs> out. I mean, if you can do that, amazing. Yeah. But for me, it's like, all right, what, net, what happens, what do I have to do weekly for it to be just baseline, mm. you know, like so that we, I know that Laura and I are making time for each other and I'm making time for the the girls. Mm. Anything that happens above and beyond that, it's like great, you know. It's like that is where the spontaneity and stuff comes in as well, Yeah. You know? So um, I think rugby gives us that structure. It's like we know that we have a Wednesday day off and we know that we haven't spent time with families, but most people will do something with their family on the Wednesday mm. because it's just there for you. Mm. Or you know that you have a Sunday off, and so like, like cool, we can do this. Mm. Or um, you're so finite with your structure already in rugby that you naturally build that in, whereas when you leave the game, it's, it's, there's so much more fluidity in life mm. that that structure can fall off the wayside really quickly and you can start leaving your partner by yourself and your training starts disappearing. Your relationship with your kids sort of go away a little bit. And yeah. So I think, once again, it doesn't. I'm not telling anyone to like say that they have to do what I do because mm. everyone is so different, but I think thinking about that stuff is important. It's an interesting one because eh? it's also something that when I wasn't in the rugby scene or in coaching yet, I enjoyed not having... 
you know, being able to go to a wedding or something which is on a weekend, you know, when you're a rugby player, you've got no say in when you can go to yep. events. It might be an awesome event down the road, but you've got a game. And you, when you don't have that such rigid structure that you do in a um, rugby career or sporting career, um, you've got that opportunity to do these things again, which is something that I quite enjoyed when I wasn't into when I had a sort of six-month time frame when I wasn't in coaching or rugby. Yeah, you're so right. You All of a sudden, um, you've got so many more options. Mm. Eh? Like, you, there's a concert on. Should you go, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I've got, I don't have a game. I don't, yeah, have, yeah. To, I, I don't have to worry about drinking beers. And, yeah. Um, you know, like, you've got way more options when you finish that, that, that rugby answers them for you. It's almost like the packet of chips mm. you know the ice cream mm. it's like and r- rugby makes those decisions for you yeah, after, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean because you know you've got skin folds coming up I was like oh no not that time <laughs> again but um so like yeah I think yeah being conscious around your decision making and the only way you're going to get conscious around your decision making is by having some sort of understanding of what you want mm. and that for me looks like structure mm. and I, so I'm not like I know I sound like overly OCD but I do have a lot of time, like where it's flexible, you know, and and, and um, but my flexible time is unstructured, structured, <laughs> structured free time, <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. and I can enjoy it more, you know, yeah. like it's like I know, I know there's nothing waiting for me. anything that comes up, so I know that's that's got its play, that'll be dealt with then yeah. because yeah. I'm doing this now, yeah, you know, I like it, yeah, <laughs> oh, good, okay, and number six, six, final one, oh yeah, save the best for last. Yeah, the best for last. Um, I reckon this one is is um, is underestimated, and I reckon it's um, so it's passion and purpose. Yeah. So rugby, rugby, we have that. You know, every week it's almost like you're going to war. You know, you're like, all right, we're in this, we're in this together, we're on this journey, we're taking this team on. You got that physical, like, combative feel around this. Like, man, we're trying to win this thing. You know, and that just gives you a huge amount of like forward focus almost point of reference at the end of the week that you're working towards and everything's geared towards this like purpose like when that goes then there's like there is no real like feels like it's a way less of amount of a purpose to a week or a purpose to anything to a season mm. it can feel like what, what what am I even doing here Yeah, like, what am I working towards what is this Yeah, like with no goals you feel like you're just sort of in the wind floating along so once again, I reckon it's finding something. Doesn't matter what it is. Like I've got mates that have got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and it's like it's for them. It's like they get along, and they know, they know they're they're rolling, and they're trying to develop this. And it's like they've got this little thing that gets them away, or adventure racing, or it might be a business or a, a career that people are really passionate about. That they know what they're trying to achieve. They've got goals. Mm. Um, that just makes you feel so much more set up you know mm-hmm. you just it's that's that's living you know yeah. did you I mean did you find that in yeah the well i found like this this podcast was my my little thing that i was really passionate about started off as i was retiring um after my surgery and i was just so focused and i just you know see the growth and you see it growing and growing and it was like became my little passion project and each week you know trying to get another guest on and make it better and just learn and that was the thing that I think gave me that mm. that passion that you that you speak about so um that that's what, exciting eh? yeah I, I was like every time I'd do an episode I'd, I'd be pumped it would, it would become like my game day you know yep. I'd get the nerves before it yep. the butterflies like oh man I hope this goes well I don't want to stuff it up 
Yeah. Um, and then post it, you get that little bit of a adrenaline yeah. where you're like, yes, that went quite good, or yeah. damn it, I wish I wish I did that better. And then yeah. you sort of review it after. It pretty much became my my rugby replacement, and um, yeah, I felt like that was my thing that sort of got me through and helped me helped me through that stage oh, as well. It's I mean, it's such a good example. Mm. It's such a good an example of it of like there's something that because. Like we want excitement in our life, you know. Yeah. Like the opposite of boredom is excitement, you know. And like the, you're only going to be passionate about something that you're actually excited by. Mm. So finding something that get, just get, makes you tick, mm. you know. For some people that smash themselves in the gym and bloody, you know. For some people it's big adventure races. For some people it's podcasts. Yeah. Um, so finding something that you're like pursuing um, is huge. Like they they um they did this this study on like, it's called the blue zones around the world. So it's the the zones around the world where people live the longest. <clears throat> so there's like these different hot spots of like uh, their their life expectancy and health is just way higher than anything surrounding them or elsewhere in the country. So there's a place in Utah, a place in Japan, a place in Italy, um, and a few other spots around. But it's like what were the what were the common threads between these blue zones? And there was a little bit of stuff around exercise and diet and stuff, but. One, two of them, one, two of the real strong ones were like social connection, like we've mm. talked about earlier on. Mm. So they all had like really tight connect, social connections. And the other one was a real clear understanding of their passion and purpose in life. And so, like, you know, there's a reason why a lot of people pass away soon after retirement. You know, that's because, you know, it's because all of a sudden it's like this sort of this direction has sort of disappeared in their life. Yeah. And so, um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what it is, but being passionate about something mm. and and working towards something has clear health, physical, mental benefits. Mm. Um, I mean, another good example is like they've done studies on on like uh, veterans with PTSD. Yeah, and a lot of it for a long time they thought was purely tied to seeing you know, combat. You know, mm. and so being in challenging, dangerous situations, and obviously there's a there's a huge element of that for a lot of people. But they also had a huge amount of people experiencing PTSD type symptoms, so post traumatic stress disorder symptoms, coming back from deployments when they and they hadn't seen any combat at all. Sure. And so, <clears throat> what they um, this was uh, a thing I was reading about, but it was um, effectively it's like it's very similar to rugby. You're in this group away together working on this thing together you've got this like shared assignment this shared sort of collective vision and goal around what you're trying to achieve and you're helping each other you're supporting each other through it mm. and it's like you've you know it's getting you up every day it's like man we're up we're doing this and we're going to that and we're looking at this and we're doing that and then when they come home and they're back in their little apartments and they feel like they've lost this sort of it's like man that's that's when things like depression and PTSD type symptoms like start kicking in it's mm. because They've lost this like direction of where they're going. Sure. Like rugby is like that. Yeah, rugby is like you're in there, man, and we're going. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're on. Mm. And then you get out of it. Unless you've got something that fulfills that, I think you've got to you've, you're setting yourself up for some for extra challenges. Mm. I reckon. Do you know what it was around that blue zone? What? Why was those blue zones? What was their purpose or passion that? You know, how did a whole sort of group have the same? So, um, so there was there was five things that they all had in common. I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna be terrible with this, but so it was. Um, so one of them was low meat diet, low meat. So there was meat in all of them. There was alcohol in all of them as well. Mm. So she's you know, having a few beers, <laughs> completely sleep. Um, one of them was um, like a meditative practice. Yeah. 
so in, in the Utah it was around praying mm. and so like practice praying like meditation and praying practicing things like gratitude and stuff they're quite all quite similar so mm. like a, a meditative type practice was another um, there was no actual training in any of the groups like physical training but all their lifestyles were really active yeah so they were really um, like they were fishermen who walked to work or biked to this or they baked their cakes from scratch or mm. so all their lifestyles were quite um, active active lifestyles but no like smashing themselves training wise then the fourth one was that connection that I talked about before so really strong connections like mm. in Japan they have this kohai senpai thing where they're, they're like your year group is your friend group mm. and they'll be they they would meet each other every week and they'll just be together they've gone through life together they've all had kids they've all supported one another they're travelling through life connected and then the fifth one was this passion and purpose so they're all different the one in Utah was religion so it was, uh, it's a Mormon community there and so they've got this sort of like this vision of them like worshipping you know yeah, and yeah. We're, work, we're like we're working the earth. We're supporting each other. We've got a real community feel to the way we approach life. Mm. The one in Japan was family, a real family. So it was really like the whole life was dedicated to supporting their grand grandkids and their grandkids and the multi generational people, like families within mm. households and stuff, supporting one another. It was a real like understanding of family. And Italy was the same. Um, once again, it's not. Oh, sorry, and there was uh, like work as well so yep. work so like as I mentioned before fishermen or bakers like baking into like really old age mm. but it's just like they love it yeah they get up and they love their freaking baking you know or out there fishing and providing for their family that's bloody really old and they're still out there doing it yeah. you know it's um so it doesn't matter what it is it's just something yeah, yeah. right it's fascinating eh yeah yeah but um and the other thing about that um I guess passion and purpose thing is is, is it your status as well? Obviously, when you're a rugby player, especially someone of your calibre, you're recognised um, everywhere, and you've got a status as a rugby player, and then you hear from guys that when they stop playing rugby, they're now, they're now no one pretty quick. And, you know, no one – I remember Colin Slade mentioning on his one how quickly people forget who you are, and there's someone who was an all-black a couple of years earlier and then walked down the street, no one recognises you anymore, no one knows you're a – X40 player, so um, that loss of status or that um, status that you have in your rugby career, um, is that part of the whole purpose thing as well? I, I think so. I think it's a combination of the sort of mental and and, and passion purpose piece. Mm. I think you're right, like it depends on what way you look at it, but yeah, I think that's a big part of your mental sort of well-being in the game is that you've got this, this status elsewhere, which... You know, rightly or wrongly, is um, is it just comes with with being a rugby player in New Zealand, um, and so like I, I don't think there is um, any great answer to this, mm-hmm. but I think there's some people that have done this really well. I remember Conrad Smith saying to me really early, um, this was back in 2012. He was like, you know, like rugby's not who I am; it's what I do. Is effectively what it was, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, I just think that's a, that's such an important thing to understand. Yeah, so good. Like things come, like it's it, things come and go, you know. And but you, who you are, always stays the same. Mm. You know. So understanding who you are and not having your whole identity wrapped up in your level of success in anything in life is, I think, just a, a fundamental skill set. Like that's something that I've definitely struggled with, and it's not even just from rugby either. It's like 
having to be good at things is something that I f- have felt like from from really young age. You know that I've had to perform either in class or in school or at, on a rugby field and stuff. And like my identity being tied to that. If I'm not good at this, you know, I've failed in some way. Mm. Um, so I think, um, yeah, the status part of rugby players is is probably bigger for some people than others. Mm. Um, but it's absolutely something you're going to have to prepare for. You yeah. know? And I think the, the, the crux of that is just understanding deeply that it's not who you are. Mm. It's just what you do. Yeah, it's temporary. Because you, you, you see the guys who love the status or they you know, they love the being recognised and stuff, while others not so much. Like the Conrad Smith, great example, like one of the best centres ever. Mm. So humble, would never use his status for anything. He sort of hated that about it, eh? Like... Um, but, but like you say, such a good man. Always had some good advice. And I reckon there's, there's two. I reckon there's two things here as well. Like, because I see a lot of guys that are like big on promoting their brand and promoting. I think there's no problem with that. Yeah, either. using it while you've but got use it. it. Yeah, you know, like. But also, I think do it, but just know deep down too that that's not that, that doesn't define you. Mm. You know, like. So even even if you've got a lot of um, like a lot of emphasis around, um, you know, brand and um, like really amplifying that mm. that status mm. that's great but just always just don't 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 buy your own sales pitch though yeah, you know what I mean yeah, like exactly you know always just brings and I think having kids and doing humble simple stuff brings you back yeah you know, it brings you back to actually I'm not this big big man who's bloody um, yeah. above everything yeah. I think so I've got no problem with people that do that and I just, but I, I do hope that they're able to to sort of step themselves out of that and be like actually I'm I'm just this guy here who's mm. bloody working away doing yeah. his thing. Yeah, what are your thoughts on characters? Like, I know some people, I've heard some people speak about it becoming sort of separating their personality to the character that plays on the field and does all that social media. It's a, I, I don't know. I really mm. don't know, eh? I, I, I find that space quite hard. Like, I've actually only just got Instagram. Like, I got Instagram, uh, it was like about two months ago. Yeah. And I sort of stayed away from it for such a long time um, just because I didn't really understand it, I guess. Mm. And I just didn't want to have another thing that I needed to think about. Um, Around this book stuff, that was sort of part of it. They wanted me to have a platform that I could just talk about stuff or do stuff on. So it was like, hey, cool. I need to sort of, I don't know. I find, I do find that quite an interesting one. Like, you know, like I think of people like even like in the podcast scenario. Joe Rogan's obviously mm. the biggest podcaster in the world. Mm. He's a hundred percent himself. Yeah, he's just authentic. Like he just stand, he just sits on the podcast and talks. Some people like it, some people don't. Mm. But I think that most people do. If most you're going people by do. His numbers. Yeah, exactly. And I think so. I think like if that's in the analogy, where these are a lot of podcasts that are really curated. Like this is one of the things I love about this podcast mm. too. It's like it's really authentic. It's just it's almost you know it's just what you see is what you get. Mm. Um, if you're able to be really authentic and not have this this like persona over here and um, your your real self over here, I think that's ideal. Mm-hmm. So you can always just be be yourself everywhere. But the reality of the world is that you know sometimes we do have to promote ourselves and we have to you know help amplify the brand and yeah. amplify things. So yeah. it's, I haven't figured that out. I don't know. That's interesting. So where did the book? You spoke about the book. Where did that come into the whole? Process and life after footy. Couple of, couple of great reads written by yourself. Sad banana, lonely lemon. Yeah, two of the greats. Oh yeah, I tell you, 
Um, I mean, this is. I mean, I've always enjoyed like writing and like lyrics of songs and poems and stuff. I've always enjoyed like, words. Mm. Having kids as well, there was books that I really enjoyed reading, and you know, you see that the kids really enjoyed as well. So it was always sort of in the back of my mind. But really, what the the crux of it was, there was a couple of like key messages that I felt like I'd learned in my from through my life mm. that I thought were really important. So one of them was, you know, one of them just that's like from stoicism. But it's around you can always control your response. So it's mm. like you have complete control of the way you react in any situation. Regardless of what goes on, you've got the control to 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 choose your response. Mm. That's like the the message I think is important for anyone to learn. Um, and so I wanted to like get that message into a children's book. And so that was the sad banana. Yeah. And then the second one second one, the lonely lemon was around like loneliness and um you know, understanding that everyone experiences feelings of loneliness and what's the counter to loneliness, like how do you combat loneliness. For me, it's the stuff we talked about today, it's a connection, you know, mm. finding a genuine connection. So how, how do you find a genuine connection if you're feeling lonely? It's like putting yourself outside your comfort zone, being brave enough, mm. having someone help you find that, but ultimately finding a connection somewhere. So it was like I liked, I liked reading children's books to my kids. I liked um, always liked writing and then it was like these are two messages that I feel like I've learned from, and I'd love to to sort of put them into it. And it was it was just literally was a bit of fun, but it has mm-hmm. been quite crazy, really. Just the response has been pretty awesome, so it's yeah. quite cool. Number one bestseller in New Zealand, isn't it? <laughs> Not internationally, <actually>. internationally. <laughs> just kidding. There we go. But mate, it is it is a bloody good book. Like you say, there's books like, as a dad who re- has to read you know two or three stories every night. Um, I make that sound like it's not fun, but it, it is if you get the right books. Yeah. And there is books that you, you know, when the kid brings up to you, you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, far out, not this one again. <laughs> I hate reading this one. Yeah. It doesn't really even make sense. Whereas, oh, the sad banana, bring me that every night. It's one of the greats. Cause, <laughs> like you say, it does have a good message, flows off the tongue well, good pictures, good storyline. Oh, the kids love it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the thing that gave me the confidence because there's some children's books that I've read along the way. I'm like, Jesus, I could write a book. Yeah. Surely, yeah. surely if I'm reading this one, then I could do it. I mean, there's nothing special about the books. They have been a bit of fun. Um, but as I mentioned, it's, you know, just give give it a crack. It's something I've always enjoyed doing. Yeah. Why not? And I think that's such a key thing as well is give it a go. If it doesn't work out, then who cares, eh? Like, um, you learn from any experience you do. So, like, if you're thinking about doing something, give it a crack. And what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, especially in that example, like you write a book, you release it. What's the worst someone's going to say? Oh, that's a crap book. Like, exactly. Who cares? I le- you learned a whole process of writing a book. You put yourself out there and um, learned something from it. So, I think that's that's an awesome attitude. Well, I mean, this is this is, this podcast case in point. You know, like what you talked about when you finished playing. Mm. It's like, oh, this is something I want to give a crack. I don't know. How, I, I saw something once around how many people start podcasts and yeah. finish. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Like, I think that's a massive percentage don't get past seven episodes because that was always my first goal was yeah. to do seven episodes and then reassess because I knew that oh, it is. It's like eighty, ninety percent wouldn't yeah. even get past seven episodes. So that was the always the first goal for me, and then. I don't know, I think this might be 190 or something. Jesus. And, mate, what a, what and, a and guess it is. But it is the number one sports podcast in New Zealand, isn't it? Um, if if your book's number one in the world, I think this is number one <laughs> sports podcast. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that, uh, that's I mean, it's such a good example of it. Like, 
who cares? Eh? Yeah. Give it a crack. Just give it a crack. Mm. You, like, there's very, very few times that I've ever regretted doing something yeah. in my life. I think I remember you saying, like, last time, there's nothing in your life that you regret, like, yeah. zero things. Yeah. And that's genuinely. Yeah. You know, I've, made, I've made mistakes. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. I've blown, blown stuff out of poor investments. I've done stupid, you know, behavioral stuff. But ultimately, like anything that's gone wrong, I definitely have. It's, I've, there's something that I've done better because of that yeah, learning as yeah. well. So I just reckon, I don't know, we all live, me included, I'm in my comfort zone too often. Like mm-hmm. I'm definitely at my best when I'm like pushing my comfort zone mm-hmm. and releasing some children's books was definitely, man, the girls, my <laughs> girls, when they saw, they saw that I was doing it, because I actually, they were a part of the process too. Uh, yeah. Like I'd send Miley, I was in lockdown in Japan, Japan and I'd send Miley a couple of things like, what do you think about this, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And that was quite a fun process. Then when it was like, okay, these are going to be published, and they were out, they were just like, Dad, this is social suicide. This is social suicide. <laughs> Seriously, you're done. Like, you are done. People are going to be like, what are you doing? So it's sort of, but, you know, I don't know. It's cool for them to see that you can do different stuff too. Yeah. Um, and it's just a bit of fun. I think it's, yeah, it's quite cool. Have you got more on the cards? Yeah, there's two more. Two more. Two more I'm doing at the moment. So, um, Are you writing them at the moment? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Any teasers? What, what are we? So one Sort of the six steps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the six steps, the mistakes after rugby. <laughs> um, so the sad banana and the lonely lemon, the first two. Yeah. The next two is the angry apple. Oh, yeah. And the worried watermelon. Oh, true. Oh. Yeah. So like it's sort of like sadness, loneliness, um, anger. And anxiety, so the worry. emotions, the yeah. big, those sort of big ones, yeah. So they're happening at the moment. Oh, they aren't coming along that fast. <laughs> to be honest with you, how long would it take? How long would a book take to write? The first one, so in Japan, the sad banana, it probably took me two weeks oh, of yeah. like an hour and a half a day. Yeah. So I had the, I did that structure, structure thing. Yeah. So I had an hour and a half. I have to, I put the time on. I have to sit there. Sometimes I sit there for half an hour with nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I to, but I have to stop. So that got probably 90% of the book done and then it was um, the end of my thing was like, I'm going to send this out yeah. and I'm like, finished. And then they came back to me and said they were keen to publish it and that was like back and forth of tweaking a few things. Yeah. Actually turning it into something that was <laughs> readable. Yeah, right, how good. <laughs> and, and then, um, so, but then The Lonely Lemon, I was back in New Zealand, busy, so that took me a couple of months mm. and it was just like so hard trying to find the time. Mm. Now, these two far out it's so hard <laughs> just to have, being in the right headspace to do that yeah that's probably the hardest thing in my life at the moment is like jumping from one like completely different situation to the next situation they're like completely different it's like talking serious sort of business investment stuff and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about writing a book Kids and then book. I'm at, yeah. at rugby doing something yeah and then trying with clients or yeah it's just very I find I find that quite hard trying yeah. to get the right in the right headspace true yeah that's interesting yeah. eh juggling that all yeah there's certainly a lot of mistakes mm. a lot of mistakes going on but it's um it's good fun mm. yeah mate how good what an episode I know your alarm's about to go off soon because um <laughs> you've got your sprints at Four o'clock or something. So <laughs> we better wrap that up. But man, that was—I knew that was going to be a good episode and uh, definitely delivered. Um, when we mentioned it a few weeks ago, like oh, I thought, shit, there's definitely something in there, and that's so cool to be able to sort of share what you went through and what you found, and then be able to express that to anyone going through post footy or coming up to it. 
things to be aware of, even young kids to start mm. thinking about, even if it's in the back of your mind. And like we've heard so many times, your career can finish pretty quickly or at any time really. So um, the more you can think about this stuff or start implementing it, the better. So mate, really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your good stuff. No, I appreciate. I, I do appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because I do think this, it is important. Like I actually do. Like it's, um, I know we've laughed and joked a lot about it today, mm. but uh, the reality is that when when you finish, it's hard. Mm. There's no getting away from that, and it's there's different levels of hard. But hopefully, that that gives a bit of a structure as to as types of things that can become hard. Mm. Um, and there is no one way to one way of it working. You know, it's it's about. Yeah, just as you've said just now, thinking about each of those things and how, what that might look like in your life, um, so that it's not as hard as it needs to be. You know, it'll still be hard, but it's, it's at least you're yeah, prepared for it or anticipating what those things might look like as it comes through. Mate, mm. <clears throat> hey, how good! I hey, appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. And like I said at the start, you're one of the smartest men I know. You're, <laughs> you're the Jordan B. Peterson of New Zealand, really, for me. <laughs> so any time I get to catch up with you, um, always an honour. Awesome. Thanks for having me, brother. You're a lad. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. And if you've got this far, I'm guessing you enjoyed the episode. So if you did, please give it a share if you can. And also cheers to our mates at Spates for sponsoring this episode. What a lad.